The readings are taken from James chapter 4 and Psalm 51. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. (coughs) Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen. You who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, We will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. 
Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. God bless you. We pray this morning that, Heavenly Father, my words would fade away, but your word would abide forever in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today I want to talk to you about getting to the heart of the matter, getting to the heart of the problem of humanity. If I can have my second slide, please. Thank you very much. The issue with the human heart. Uh, had a little note to myself to just write down a few headlines that have been happening within the context of our world uh, this week and didn't take long before just one quick Google search yesterday talked about the issue of the human heart in blazing headlines across international news. Uh, we have uh, Mr Trump misspeaking. Apparently, uh, I don't see any reason why it would be or I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be. Apparently, that's meant to be abundantly clear to us exactly what he was meant to be saying to at his press conference after meeting with uh, the Russian leader. And of course, and then some dramatic uh, backtracking from all of that kind of stuff. And I just wonder, where's that all coming from? What's happening in the human heart there? Of course, then we have the member for Wagga, Mr. William Maguire. He has openly conceded that he has received kickbacks from a Chinese developer, uh, which is, of course, is a complete contrary agreement to what he has made in his 
um, ministerial commitments and then he was refusing to go but as they ramped up the pressure last last night's news told me that he has eventually acquiesced to that pressure and stepped down but not able to execute his ministerial duties without looking for some sort of a financial kickback. Then, of course, we have Neil Prakash, who's our most wanted terrorist overseas. Turkish uh, court finds no reason to send Mr Prakash back to Australia to face any kind of justice. In fact, if he wasn't facing further charges, which are relevant to that particular um, jurisdiction of Turkey... uh, his defence lawyer just said they just would have let him go, completely let him go free. What's happening with the human heart? What's happening with the human heart when we have a Catholic Archbishop of Adelaide, Philip Wilson, who was convicted by court of covering up a child sex abuse scandal with our Prime Minister calling on the Pope to sack him and he is still uh, lingering on in some sort of form in his role. What is wrong with the human heart? Well, the human heart has a number of issues. Um, We'll get on to that. Human heart, of course, there's fights and quarrels. In our passage in James, if you just want to have that open, I'm going to be talking uh, quite a bit just out of the text today. James says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill, you covet, and you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And so we find the issue of the human heart. Nothing has changed since James wrote that. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Has anything changed? Is that not, it's just like, that's a synopsis of where our society is at. That's a synopsis of where our leaders are at, yes or no? It's absolutely the case. And so we have these fights and quarrels. Um, we have all these issues happening and we say, well, what's the answer? Is education the answer? Education is incredibly helpful, but it's not the complete answer, right? It's a part of the issue, but there's a deeper issue beyond education. It resolves and it involves the human heart. What about awareness? Now, awareness is good. Education is good. Awareness is good. I affirm both of those things. But awareness of events, even deeply, is not enough because there's a deeper issue. The issue that doesn't seem to get diagnosed enough is the issue of the human heart. I've got to say our world has a heart condition and I've got to ask us this morning, do you have a heart condition and do I have a heart condition? Well, I do. I certainly have a heart condition. The heart condition, of course, is that we have a fallen and fractured human nature. A fallen and fractured human nature. Jeremiah in 17.9 says, and I'm going to, this is from the ESV translation, which I sometimes read and enjoy. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? In Psalm 51, the psalmist David says, Surely I was sinful at birth. He recognises from the very outset he struggled in this space, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Has there never been times in your life where you look inside and you just go, What is going on with me? You know, we look at ourselves and go, Honestly. Sometimes uh, Shelley and I have a, a great saying, we probably say it almost every day, What are they thinking? something sort of catches our attention we with great indignation we see something being broadcast what were they thinking 
Sometimes I look in the mirror and I go, what was I thinking? What is wrong with me? Deep, deep-seated problems. Issues of the human heart. Issues of my fractured, fallen human nature. This is my heart condition. Verse 1 in James says about the desires that battle within you. Verse 2 talks about the covetousness, that desire to have what others have. We see it played out on the global stakes. We see territory. We see things being ramped up in just the the seas off our country. Who owns what? What islands are just magically appearing? What power plays are happening in the Pacific Ocean? The issues of oil, political control, power, getting a job, getting an inheritance, holding on to an inheritance, turning your fellow siblings into enemies. Because as the old saying is, where there's a will, there's a... Yeah, no, where there's a will, there's a relative. I've already been to the Supreme Court with one of those battles, being the executor of my mother's will. Where there is a will, there is a relative. These desires to have things... You know, there's such fundamental things. We even find in the commandments, of course, in the Ten Commandments, where God is just outlining the basics of covenant people behavior. You shall not covet, that means desire or be greedy for. You cannot covet your neighbor's house. Those shows on television make that a little difficult. They're pretty good, aren't they? They could at least renovate mine. That would be helpful. Sri Baba, where are you when I need you? You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Anything that belongs to our neighbor. We want what our neighbor's got. It's a problem of the human heart. It drives people to do things that they shouldn't do. Even our prayers will say, well, I say my prayers. Well, sometimes our prayers. Verse 3 tells us, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Even our prayers are infected with our fractured, fallen human nature. And we pray wrongly because we want an outcome that's going to just please us, to spend on your pleasures, it says, just to please us. And so the first heart condition that I suffer from, and you may too, is the fractured, fallen human nature. The second heart condition is an overwhelming self-interest, an overwhelming self-interest. So how do, we, how do we deal with this overwhelming self-interest? Well, we need to start with a submitted heart. Look at verses 6 uh, to 10. Let me just read verse 6 and 10 to frame the rest of those, those verses. But he gives us more grace. This is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble and verse 10 then says humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up the uh, one of the ways that we need to deal with overwhelming self-interest is that we need to have submitted hearts 
We need to have hearts that are submitted to God, that bring our our issues to him. We need that humility. Look at verse 7. It says, submit yourselves then to God. Submit ourselves to the God. It's interesting that we always want, we love the next part of the verse that says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We love to quote that, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But before it gets to that, the James the writer says, submit yourselves then to God. Submit yourselves then to God. And then it's in that position of submitted. We want the devil to back off our lives. We want the, we want to find our way through. We don't want to be hammered by the evil one all the time. But the, the, the question is before we get to that and we want to claim that voice, that verse, I want to draw near to God, let him draw near to me. We've got to deal with that whole issue of have I submitted my whole life to God? Now, that's a question I've got to ask myself on a fairly regular basis. Have I submitted the entirety of my life to God? Every facet of my life, everything that drives me. Then, of course, after we do that, we find on the one hand that we need to resist the devil and then he will flee from, flee from us and then we come near to God and he will come near to us. Verse 8 says we need to wash your hands. It says, wash your hands, you sinners. Um, it's interesting. That's why I've weaved the Psalm 51 because there's some parallel thinking there between what James is saying here and what happens to us. James says, come near to God and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. And in verse 2 of our Psalm, it says, wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. So that's really our actions. He's saying here, wash my hands. You know, it's please forgive me for the things that I have done. Then it says, purify your heart, verse 8. And then in our Psalm, it says in verse 10, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Because our lives will not rectify themselves until we deal with the deepest issue that is our issue of our heart. Our lives won't be pure until our hearts are pure. We need to bring our hearts to God. We've got to over, we need open heart surgery. We've got to rip ourselves open and say, God, do something powerful and deep and profound in my life. I've got to be, I want to wash my hands. I want to stop doing the things that I know are wrong. I need you to come in. I need you to create a new space within me. I actually need to look at tomorrow differently than what I'm looking at it today. I've got to be changed. There's got to be something profound happening to me. Holy Spirit, come and do a mighty work in my life. Purify your hearts. He says, be single-minded. Verse 12 in our psalm says, restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit. To sustain me. Sometimes it's the issue of the willing spirit, isn't it? How many people know what to do and then fail to do it? Well, that's how the end of James. Yes, yeah, me. Mark's nodding. Mark and I are sinners. It's just you and me, Mark. How many people? How many people know what's wrong and then still keep doing? How many people are in this boat? Let's have a lot of noddies happening out there. A lot of confession going on here this morning, friends. We need to be praying for a willing spirit. God, give me the the will to line my life up with you every day. I want to line my. I want my allegiance to be with Jesus. I want to line my life. I need to. I need to step out each day with a will. I want to serve God. I want His will to be my will. 
I want his, his kingdom to come in my life. I want the will of God done in my life. We need a willing spirit. We, do you know what we stuff? We have plenty of head knowledge. We need transformed hearts and we need willing spirits. That's where the difference is going to make that happen in our lives. We need to say, God, give me a willing spirit. We need to be single-minded, verse 8 uh, tells us. And verse 12 says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And we need to have mourning. We need to have sacrifice, it says, Sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. We need to take our sin as seriously as God takes our sin. I don't think I take my sin nearly as seriously as I should, nor do I believe. David Kelly gave the most incredible devotion at Elders this week. I tell you what, um, I'm going to... I'm going to preach his outline, I think, one day. So I thought, wow, I wish I'd said that. And it was about repentance and what repentance is and isn't. And I, when I, I got home and I've just been thinking about it. Thanks, David, right? He's hiding behind the computer up there. Everyone still stare at him now <laughs> and go, thank God for the chairman of the elders speaking words of life. You know, I'll share his, I'll share his outline one day. It'll be so profound. I'll take great credit for it. You will have forgotten that I've mentioned that. You know, we've, we've got to, we've got to do that. And part of our dealing with our heart condition, our submitted heart is that we need to have clean hands and a purified hearts. We need single mindedness and we need to mourn over our sins. We need to treat our sin as seriously as God treats our sin. Next part of our heart condition is this. Sometimes we have our heart in our mouth. Our heart's misplaced, put our heart in our mouth. Because the problem is with our heart is that it isn't so flash. Ben did an incredible sermon last week about what comes out of our mouths. Gee, it was a good message. If you haven't heard it, get onto the website. Uh, Luke says a good man brings forth or a good person brings forth good things that are stored up in their heart and an evil person brings evil things that are stored up in their heart for the mouth speaks out of what the heart is full of. That's why in Ephesians, Paul says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The problem with what comes out of our mouths is our hearts. We speak words because our hearts are reflected in our mouths. We've got a heart in our mouth and it speaks out and what it says is not good. Verse uh, 11 says, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Any of you who speaks against a brother or a sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. Uh, back in the olden days when I was at youth, not just a youth worker, but I existed before I was a youth pastor. I was once a youth. Isn't that astonishing? I actually saw a picture of my other day of myself when I was about 30. I think I actually looked all right. Time is terrible, isn't it? It's evil. Back when I was a youth, we used to go, I grew up at French's Forest, we used to go down to Manly, down to a coffee shop, that all I remember they had this big net hanging down from under. It was like the 70s. It was all very groovy and almost post-beatnik, really. 
and we used to go down there and we used to have coffee. And I was, of course, obnoxious. Well, I still am obnoxious. I was more obnoxious when I was in my teenage years. I was an obnoxious person with the gospel. I used to use the good news of Jesus. And just whether you wanted to hear it or not, you heard it. And I went down there uh, one day and there was this humble guy who was just in the car park and I thought, uh, how, did I, how do I define an evangelistic opportunity? There's someone standing in front of me who's alive. And so that will do. So it's now time to launch upon them the good news of Jesus. If it doesn't want to know about what their life is like or to care for them or love them, it's just going to be an opportunity to gospel him. So I, I unleashed my godless zeal upon him, thinking that I was doing the right thing, and I was launching into him with the five points of the gospel that I was well drilled into. And he just kept on saying back to me in a really humble way, he just kept on saying, Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 and 2. Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 and 2 is a very humble guy, he's a very quiet guy. And uh, I just kept on going him like a dog on his leg. So I got home, thought I'd better read Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 and 2 because he's quoted it about six times at me as his only response. He said, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured out to you. Who won the argument? I was wrong and he was right. I didn't love him or care for him or seek to get beside him as a human being and help him on his journey. I just Bible bashed him almost to death. Judged him. The Bible says we mustn't judge other people. And of course then we have the humble heart. This is a heart condition of overwhelming self-reliance. We have this presumption of spirit and uh, John alluded to that so beautifully in his communion talk. Uh, you know, when we go to, we want to do something at home, it's interesting, even when you want to run carols in the park, the local government wants you to put in a DA. If you've never been terrified by two letters in the English alphabet, put together one after the other. Be ye terrified. And it took me two weeks and about 50 pages of documents to keep carols going when they first required us to have DA. And you had to submit your plans before you could act. John has reminded us we don't need so much of a DA, but we need a DV. We need a Deo Valente. We need the will of God in our lives. We need to say to God, okay, I need to be humble, Lord. I've got certain desires and dreams and plans, but I submit them to you for your approval before I act. The government act is clear. You need to submit your plans before you launch them. You need a development application approval before you go and do a something to your house or some other thing on your land or your block of land or even run an event. You cannot act until you get the government's approval. How many times in life do we launch out there and we retrospectively want the blessing of God after we've launched, after we've planned, after we're out doing it, after we've already constructing what we should have 
shouldn't have started in the, and we say, God, I'm already fully committed to this. Please bless me. It's the wrong timing. We need to say to God, before I get out, we've got to put a D, uh, DV there. We've got to say, God willing, a, a Deo Valente. I love the message uh, puts this little passage in a refreshing way. And now I have a word for you who, who brashly announced today at the latest tomorrow, we're off to such a city for a year. We're going to start a business and make a lot of money. You don't know the first thing about tomorrow, James writes. You know, you are nothing but a wisp of fog catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. Instead, make it a habit if the master wills it and we're still alive. We will do this or that. As it is, you are full of grandiose yourselves. All such vaunting of self-importance is evil. We need to submit our plans to God. We need to have humble and submitted lives. We mustn't be so self-reliant. We must rely on God for his will. And so we, I believe that there are three heart conditions that we suffer from, I suffer from them. The fallen, fractured human nature, the overwhelming self-interest, the overwhelming self-reliance. And what God is calling us to do is to go to him and say, God, I need a clean heart. God, I need a submitted heart. God, I needed a loving heart. And God, I need a humble heart. I want you to look at those things. I wonder which ones apply to you the most today. I'm going to lead us in prayer. We're going to do some open heart surgery through prayer. The band's going to come up. And we're going to pray about our heart condition before God. So let's open up our hearts. Let's ask God to do open heart surgery on us right now. Heavenly Father, we just... We pray, Heavenly Father, right now, we recognize that the issue with our lives is really deep. It's deep within our hearts. We pray, dear God, for those of us that are really struggling with guilt today, we pray for clean hearts. Lord, for those of us with rebellious hearts and proud hearts, we pray, Lord, that you would give us submitted hearts. Heavenly Father, for those of us who would like, I had that evening, a judgmental attitude, we ask, dear God, that you would give us loving hearts. And Heavenly Father, before we go off and run our lives according to our own plans, help us to always get the DV. Help us, Heavenly Father, to have humble hearts. Lord, we open our hearts to you this morning and we say, by your Holy Spirit, according to your word, do a great work in our hearts from this day and in the days to come. Amen.